0: This episode of Writer Dead is sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, and you know which one we're talking about. But you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports the community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of Rudder Dead can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month. You can go to libro.fm, that's L I B R O.fm, and enter the code BR3. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores.
1: Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 47, and we're recording on Tuesday, March 12th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Rincy Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincy. How are you? I'm good. Is this your first time using your new last name? It is, and that's because this is the first episode after I officially changed my name with the Social Security office. So (laughs) it's official well, I haven't gotten my new card yet, but I by Sat there for 45 minutes. I put through my paperwork, and I am yep. I'm I am still using uh, McLean for professional purposes, or I'm including it in my. Uh, I now have it as my second middle name. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still busting it out for professional purposes, since that's you know what I've podcasted under and written under before. But I am I am officially a Horner now. So uh, so yeah, this is it's been it's been a a couple weeks of some big changes I had with that and I just started a new job this week so it's it's been a lot (laughs) it's
0: spring it's time to refresh and whatever
1: yeah you're right and you know what today was actually like it wasn't I mean it was not quite 50 degrees but it was just warm enough that I was okay not wearing leggings underneath my skirt today
0: I mean when I walked out of the office today i was like oh it's like not warm enough where you don't want a coat but it's the first time where you think oh there will be a time where i will not
1: need a coat yeah you, <laughs> you walk outside and you're like oh it smells warmer yeah <laughs> It's Chicago weather, so it's going to fluctuate. And I'm still not ruling out the possibility of snow in April or even early May. It's happened before. Yes. But yeah, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm like, okay, I'm seeing more 40 degrees, 40 degree days. You know, maybe, maybe there is hope. A little.
0: (laughs) I know. I'm the type, like, I saw in the forecast that there's like a 60 degree, 60 plus degree day on the horizon. And I know it's not going to stay that way. But even just the fact that we get, when we get those little teasers, they're always just so nice and refreshing.
1: And I think it's supposed to be windy that day as it always happens
0: and i think like thunderstorming too so.
1: <laughs> so it's not a nice 60 degree day but at least you know it's 60 degrees and not you know snowing below 0 icy gross
0: <laughs> yeah i mean even even just the fact if i don't have to scrape off my car in the morning oh, i will God. be happy cuz i did still have to do that
1: <laughs> oh my gosh i cannot believe how much i took garages for granted Yeah. Until I I lived in apartment complexes that did not have garage spaces. So every morning I have to scrape off my car and then inevitably end up 10 minutes late to work because I forgot that I had to scrape off my car every morning. (laughs) So whenever we purchase our first house, it has to have a garage that is non-negotiable. And we will not use the garage as a storage space. The the only thing we're going to be storing in there are cars. I'm not dealing with this nonsense anymore. (laughs)
0: Look, if there's anyone who knows how important garages are, it's people who are from the Midwest.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, if you are new to this show, welcome If you're a long time listener, welcome back. We talk about mystery, suspense, thrillers, true crime, movie adaptations, uh reading recommendations, anything, and everything in between um as always, we put out uh a call for new um or for new ideas, suggestions, questions uh from you lovely listeners. And, um, you know, as we've said before, we, we use these, these, um, listener suge- suggestions and come up with, um, episode themes, um, and other things and come up with other things to talk about, which has been, which has really been a lot of fun. Um, this episode, we, um, we're, uh, we're actually using a, a listener reading recommendation request, um, for the meat of this episode. Um, so we're very excited about that. This is going to be a fun episode. Um, and we will have our contact information at the bottom of the show so you can, um, and we'll have links to it in the show notes so that you can, um, you'll have multiple ways to, to uh, contact us if you have any suggestions. But just know that we are always, always looking for ideas. We love hearing from you guys. Um, and it's one of the really fun things about doing this podcast is getting to hear suggestions from, from everyone. So um, if you have any ideas for us, please do let us know because we really, we really do use them and we really do appreciate them.
0: All right. So to jump into some news for the past couple of weeks, uh one thing that's been announced is that Bruna Pependreia, uh her she is a producer. She produced uh the show or helped produce the show Big Little Lies. Her co- Company Made Up Stories will be partnering with Agatha Christie LTD uh, to do a new TV series on based on Miss Marple. So there there isn't a lot of information in terms of like what exactly they're going to be doing, um, whether they're going to be adapting specific works, but it says it's going to be inspired by uh, the Ms. Marple books and short stories. So there's a chance that they'll do straight adaptations or there's a chance they could do something a little bit different with it. Personally, I think it would be kind of cool if they went sort of the modern Sherlock adaptation sort of route and didn't do like a straight adaptation and kind of played with the stories a little bit and maybe made them more homages set in modern day or something along those lines. Uh, But I mean... Agatha Christie is also a classic for a reason, and she writes very good mysteries, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do just do straight-up adaptations, but they do, um, in this, at least in this piece, talk about uh, the BBC miniseries that have been coming out recently, so who knows? they could do something completely different. Uh, So yeah, that's just sort of a heads up for all of you Agatha Christie fans out there that there is a new adaptation coming and this one will be coming over to the US for sure. And then the other bit of adaptation news that I have is that FX uh, Networks has landed the rights to the Cartel Trilogy by Don Winslow. So this will be adapted into a TV show. Um, Again, not a lot of information out, just that the rights uh, were sold to FX. Um, Winslow uh, will be uh, an executive producer on this show. So hopefully that means uh, he'll have some say on what's going on. And it's being uh, co written with uh, Shane Salerno. And Ridley Scott is also um, listed as an executive producer. So again, not a lot of information, but this is a trilogy that I've sort of had on my radar in general. Um, the way Or The quote that they have is from the New York Times that describes the trilogy as a hybrid between The Godfather and War and Peace, uh, which is a very good elevator pitch. So if you are a fan of Don Winslow's or maybe like me, you have uh, been interested in checking out his books, then you can check out uh, the Cartel Trilogy before it comes to FX.
1: Yeah, that is quite an elevator pitch. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm like, wow, you, you don't get much more praise than that. So for a couple of the news items that I picked... More adaptation news. Um, an update on the uh, Lincoln series that's going to be piloted on NBC, um, which is gonna, which is based on the Bone Collector books by Jeffrey Deaver. Uh, they have gotten Russell Hornsby to play Lincoln Rhyme. He's playing the main character that Denzel Washington played in the movie from the late 90s. If the name Russell Hornsby sounds familiar to you, he was—he played uh, Mav Carter in *The Hate You Give*. Um, So he he played the dad *The Hate You Give*, which is I think might be like the most white explanation for his role in that movie. (laughs) But um, but no, he's no he's a really he's a really great actor. So yeah, they tapped him to play uh, Lincoln Rhyme. They don't have much more additional information uh, beyond that, but, um, you know, this is something that we've mentioned a few times, so I'm sure we'll be seeing more information, uh, more casting news and stuff like that sooner rather than later, but uh, do keep that uh, on your radar. And then uh, the last piece I, I tacked on last minute, so today is Tuesday. Um, if, <laughs> and I know you'll be listening to this on Friday or later, but... Um, Today, the news story broke around lunchtime that um, about 50 different people have been charged in a massive college admissions scam, Um, and the reason why this is noteworthy is because two of the people charged are actresses Felicity Huffman, who is, um, I I have not seen any of her movies, and sadly, the only thing I know about her is that she's married to William H. Macy. (laughs)
0: Desperate Housewives
1: thank you <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah see i'm more I'm more familiar with William H. Macy and you know Fargo and stuff, and Lori Laughlin, who many of us will remember as Aunt Becky from Full House, they have been charged in this college admission scam for paying obscene amounts of money to get their children into prestigious colleges, so I think in Lori Laughlin's case, i think she I think she paid like five hundred thousand dollars to get her twins into I can't remember what USC USC but I think it was she um her she paid money to this company that they paid the money to the school by having them pretend that the girls were part of the or were recruits for the crew team even though they didn't they were not actually on the crew team um, but that like basically guaranteed them admission so they and like they went to like great lengths to falsify this this aspect of their of their admission package or whatever. Um, but that was like five hundred thousand dollars and apparently Felicity huffman paid I think fifteen thousand dollars and to have someone, doctor up her child's SAT scores or something like that there was something going on with editing uh, standardized tests to get them into college there um, with other people who have been who have been charged in this scam it involved oh gosh uh, third-party people standing in as representatives for the person's child to like take the SAT so like they would so they would put someone else they would someone else would would pose as the as the incoming student when they take the tests um and i the other part and i can't remember i don't know if it's in all of the articles or which one it might it may be in but there's also a detail that the the company that's kind of been running this it's a for-profit company but they've been masquerading as a non-profit organization so the people who are making these obscene who are who are paying these obscene amounts of money are able to write off this money as uh charitable donations and write them off on their taxes yeah it's just ridiculous and so my little note on the for this news article is privileged white-collar true crime strikes again i mean Uh, I don't have words. I mean, and if I found words, we'd probably spend the entire episode talking about this. But good lord, people. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's it's so frustrating. And then and as as many people have pointed out, the the backlash, you know, unfortunately, you know, people of color they you know they're they're looked down upon like oh you must have gotten into college with affirmative action so affirmative action is looked down upon and people of color in college are often looked at with suspicion you know did the other people white people thinking you know do they deserve to be in college well in the in the meantime this is going on it's like come on
0: yeah this is just like one of those things where it's like you have to make jokes about it because otherwise you're going to get really angry (laughs) I mean, it's also partially a thing where it's like, well, this isn't actually that surprising because, you know, for all of, you know, the existence of Ivy League schools, there have been people basically paying for their kids to be able to go in, whether it be through legacy programs or donating money to, like, the university itself as, like, donations and, you know, getting your name on a building and therefore guaranteeing that your kids or grandkids can go to that school, things like that. Like, it's just part of a larger systemic problem, obviously. Uh, but I really love the fact that in terms of like, you know, sipping your tea while you're reading all the tweets, uh, there's a, who is it? Lori Laughlin's daughter was basically an influencer. And so she made YouTube videos, Instagram posts, all this stuff. And there are like videos of her from... I, th- I think it's from before she started going to USC of her talking about like how she basically doesn't like school and is only excited to go to USC because she wants to like attend the parties and stuff like that. Um, so like very clearly showing that she like literally does not care about school at all. Um, and there's like Instagram posts of her where she was like paid to post about uh, Amazon Prime after she had gotten in to USC about how she was like using Amazon Prime to, you know, buy stuff for college and stuff like that um and so i'm just very much enjoying just people getting called out on their bs (laughs)
1: yeah it's just the the entitlement here and the privilege the the unchecked unchecked entitlement and privilege is what this is um although quite frankly if there is a book written about this in in the future i will absolutely read it
0: 1000 percent
1: yeah so, no, it's not necessarily related to books, but it's, you know, I'm, this, this, this whole white-collar true crime thing is just redonkulous. It's just, it's just ridiculous. And I know it's not new, but, ugh, alright. <laughs> Well, that that's about all I've got to say on that for right now. If you guys have thoughts, please let us know. I'm sure many of you have lots of thoughts about this and I, I am I'm just imagining just a just a bunch of listeners of this show just looking at their computer and like you said, sipping their tea, just like you gotta be kidding me.
0: Yeah. I'm definitely excited to see how this story develops over the course of the week. <laughs>
1: So uh, before we jump into our
0: main topic for the episode, I have our first sponsor, and that is The Huntress by Kate Quinn. The Huntress by New York Times bestselling author Kate Quinn is a fascinating new historical novel about a search for a mysterious Nazi assassin only known as the Huntress. The story takes you from the remote reaches of northern Russia, where an elite force of female bomber pilots trained to fight Nazis across Polish and German battlefields, and finally to post-World War II Boston and will keep you captivated every step of the way. Kate Quinn's previous historical novel, The Alice Network, was a Reese Witherspoon book Club pick and has already sold over a million copies. So if you enjoy great historical fiction like the tattooist of Auschwitz, The Lost Girls of Paris, and the gown, you'll love The Huntress by Kate Quinn and it is available now wherever books are sold.
1: All right. so for this episode like I mentioned before, this the uh, this episode um, topic came from a listener and I was super excited when we picked this one, it is so up my alley and not so much up Rincey's, but that's okay. I mean, I I made it work. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, we got a request for creepy book club picks. And so we got a request for anything creepy or spooky, including thrillers, true crime, gothic fiction, literary horror, Uh, not super gory, dark, dystopian, post-apocalyptic stories, murder mysteries, and more. Some of the preferred books that the uh, the book club has done has been, um, there's Bird Box by Josh Mailerman, Rebecca, Daphne du Maurier, The Outsider by Stephen King. Um, I think we've talked about all of these books slash authors at some point on this show. For me, I, you know, my reading tastes are run across the 3Ds, uh, dark, demented, and disturbing. So I'm, so I'm just like, yes, this is awesome. So with that, um, Rinsey, do you want me to go first or do you want to jump in or?
0: Um, I mean, I can start with one because I feel like yours are going to be the ones that <laughs> are probably more up there, Allie. Uh, so, I'll, I mean, I'm just going to give this disclaimer right now. Uh, just read Bad Blood Already by John Carreyrou because it's not like super dark or disturbing, although it is slightly disturbing how much she was Elizabeth Holmes was able to get away with. But I also just think A, it's a good book and B, you'll have a lot to talk about in your book club.
1: Yeah, and it def- and I was gonna say it definitely deals with a someone who seems to have a narcissistic or sociopathic personality. Uh, so I'm just so there's stuff to talk about with that.
0: Yeah, so that's sort of my like, free answer. I also recommend Bad Blood to literally anyone who's listening to this podcast or just anyone living in the world right now. So, <laughs> um, But uh, my first pick is going to be The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hugo by Stuart Turton. Um, so this one, it leans more on the murder mystery side of things in terms of the list of genres that they like to read. Uh, but this one is a little bit darker because it does get kind of violent in this book. And uh, I was kind of surprised by how dark it can get. And because of the way that this book is set up, um, I think that there is a lot of really interesting things that you can talk about with this book in a book club. Uh, so if you aren't aware, you are uh, following this character named Aiden Bishop. And he is tasked with the job of figuring out who has murdered Evelyn Hardcastle. And so what happens is every time he wakes up, he wakes up in a different person's body and he's reliving this same day over and over again until he can stop Evelyn Hardcastle from dying. So it's pitched as like an Agatha Christie type of book mashed up with um, Groundhog Day. Uh, Just just because of the reliving every day over and over again. But this book is actually like really interesting in terms of like the way that it's set up. Like I imagine Stuart Turton's office turning into one of those like crazy uh, serial killer, or not serial killer, but when you're like hunting down a serial killer, you have like all of the strings with the index cards and the map and all of that stuff. Because this story is so like so intricate and so well woven together and there are so many details that it must have taken him so long to like just figure out all of the different characters, figure out all of the different storylines and figuring out how to put it all together in a way that sort of works. It it can get a little bit confusing and convoluted at times but it also sort of like makes sense the farther you go into it too. Um, But yeah, it's really hard to talk about this book because it's very much like one of those stories that like you just have to read it and experience it for yourself. And I don't think that there is another book that I've ever really read like this. It's very uncommon in the way that it's set up. And early on, it feels like you're not really solving the mystery. But then like the farther you get into it, the more that you realize what's going on. And there are a lot of really interesting twists and turns that the story takes that I think could lead to a really good discussion because I can also see a lot of people not vibing with this book the way that it's set up. And so I think it's always really interesting seeing how um, people react to this book because, again, it's unlike anything else that I've ever read before. And it does does get kind of violent at times. Like, there are parts, like, again, I am... The, not the opposite of Katie, but I'm not as far along the spectrum of dark and disturbing that Katie goes to. Uh, so it had me cringing a little bit. So I feel like it would still work for people who want things that are on the darker and more disturbing side because there are some kind of violent passages in there. Um, so yeah, again, it's The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton.
1: Okay, so for my first pick, I yeah, I I went um I went horror with the with the first one, but it's not gory horror. It's mu- it's more literary. It's super creepy. This is one of my favorite horror novels of all time, and I'm pretty sure I have not talked about it yet on this podcast. Um, it is The Good House by Tanana Reeve Dew. I've read this book twice. Um, this book is. At its core, it's a haunted house story. But what I love about how Tanana Rebdu writes horror is she, like in all of her stories, she infuses them with African religion and mythology and African culture. And it's, it's kind of like... If you like, you know she she and like she's friends with Jordan Peele. Let me let me put it that way. Like she, like she had she teaches a class on black horror, and after Get Out was released, she invited Jordan Peele to um, sit in on her class and then like talk to the class. And I'm like, what? That is amazing. But anyway, the the store main story follows Angela Toussaint, who is. Um, she's going back to her childhood home. Um, it's her grandmother's old house. It's the the, the house is called the Good House, um, and she the house is on the market. She's about to sell it, but she's going back one last time just to make sure that that's really what she wants to do. Um, but the the Good House has a bunch of really horrible memories tied up for her, um, because two years previously her teenage son Corey. Um, committed suicide, right, committed suicide in front of her is very traumatic, um, very shocking, very unexpected. But when she uh, makes a trip out to um, the house, just to, you know, spend a few days, make sure that she wants to give away this part of her family history, she discovers that over the last couple of years, um, since she's been back, several people in, in town have committed murder and or, or suicide over the last couple of years, and the longer that she stays in the house, the more she realizes that there is some kind of supernatural presence there. And she realizes that this supernatural presence, as well as possibly her son's death, is t- tied to her grandmother's, um, history, um, and involvement with voodoo and an exorcism that was performed decades ago. So this is like, it, it has like at, at its core, the bones of this story are, you know, haunted house, demonic possession, but it's not a Christian demon. It's a, um, it's it's an Afric it's an African god it's an African demon I think it's I think my notes say it's called a Baka I d- I can't remember if that's one hundred percent correct like I said it's been a while since I've read the book and I'm going off of my Goodreads re- review here but what I love about this story is that it has so many layers it is a creepy story like it it is it has some seriously chilling moments it's not gory but it's creepy um, but there's so much going on with um, the with Angela's family, um, she's trying to come to terms with how her family has basically shattered since her son's death. Um, she has complex relationships with the other characters in the story. She has a complex relationship um, with her grandmother, who had um, who had pre- who had also passed away. Um, so her grandmother's no longer around, but she's still very much tied to that aspect of her family's history. It's such, is such a cool book. It is one of my favorite horror novels. And this book was also, I called it My Great White Whale because I could never find it in a bookstore. Like it became, I was searching for it. Every time we went to a new bookstore, no matter where it was, I always looked to see if they had this book in stock. And they never did until last year. After literally years of searching, I finally found this book in print at a nearby bookstore and I almost cried. I was so excited. Um, so I, when I say I love this book, I love this book. Um, so, um, I would suggest maybe, um, ordering it online or getting it from the library because if you go by your local neighborhood bookstore, they may not have a copy of it. Um, but again, the book is called The Good House by Tanana Reeve
0: Okay. Uh, the second recommendation that I have is 40 Acres by Dwayne Alexander Smith. And this one actually, it's funny that you mentioned Jordan Peele and all that stuff in your, uh, first book because I actually pitched this book as four fans of Get Out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, uh, this is, this is a nice good segue here. So this is, man, this book is so super underrated. Like it, I'm looking at it right now on Goodreads and it has around 2000 ratings. So like a decent amount of people have read it, but not enough, in my opinion. Um, it's, Yeah, it's sort of like it's a really dark thriller. And I think it'll bring a lot of really interesting conversations uh, again to your book club. So in this story, you are following this uh, young black lawyer named Martin Gray, who uh, at the beginning of the story has just settled or won uh, this major case. And so he gets approached by uh, this another lawyer, black lawyer, who is like more successful and more well known in the uh, area um, to... Uh, have dinner at his house one day and so he goes to dinner and there are a lot of other really successful uh, black couples at this dinner and they basically invite him away um, for the weekend like all of the guys will go away for the weekend um, no wives no cell phones no talk of business things like that um, but then when he goes away on this trip he sees that there's something more dark and disturbing happening here these men are all part of the secret society And uh, part of the secret society, okay, this is the part where I'm just, I'm going to stop talking. The the Goodreads uh, synopsis gives away significantly more, but I actually think it's better if you just go into it knowing that, uh, that they're part of a secret society and some really dark things happen uh, in the rest of the book. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, I, again, I'm not someone who reads a lot of dark and disturbing books. So there are parts of this book that I found to be really, really difficult to read uh, because it gets really violent at times. But I think that this book brings up some really interesting questions about race and reparations and uh, just the place of like Black people in society today and the place that they should have and things like that. Again, I think it's really good for fans of Get Out in the sense that it's has that really great social commentary and have you like questioning things a little bit, but also being like, an interesting entertaining thriller type of book. Um it's a great page turner. I know a couple of other people here at book riot have read it and really really enjoyed it. It's so terrifying at times at least to me. Uh and it's a book that like I wish there I I think he was supposed I think the author is supposed to write a second book following this character which I will 100% read because like the way that everything ends it doesn't end like super neatly like all wrapped up in a bow, but it ends well enough that like it doesn't um or it ends, yeah. So like, it doesn't end up su- end super neatly. So just know that going into it as well. But I think that the questions that it raises are just fantastic, and it's just so much. So I had a lot of, I don't know, fun is doesn't feel like the right word, but I really enjoyed reading this book a lot. Um, so again, that's Forty Acres by Dwayne Alexander Smith.
1: Yeah, I read the, um, I read that one too, and yeah, I I second everything you, you're saying. It is a thought provoking, page turning, like. Yeah, it is really thought provoking, um, and very cinematic. Yes, like this is the kind of book that is just like begging to be made into a movie. You know, Jordan Peele. You know, if you're not, if you're listening, good lord. <laughs> oh come on now, I am not that deluded.
0: Look, you might you you don't know Jordan Peele could be a secret friend <laughs> of Ritter.
1: Dad. That happens. You will have to resuscitate me.
0: Oh, me too, one hundred percent.
1: All right. Um so the second book that I want to suggest is one that I I don't again I don't think I have I have mentioned it on this uh, show before which I'm actually really surprised cuz this this book was this book was intense. Um it is actually a young adult novel, but even if you don't read young adult, just stick with me cuz th- this book it really is is, is super intense and psychologically creepy. It's called My Sister Rosa by Justine Larbalestier. And it follows um Che Taylor, who has moved with his family from Australia to New York City. So it's him, his parents, and his ten-year-old sister Rosa. And he, you know, he he loves his sister, he looks out for her, but he is convinced and and not like oh you know in his mind he thinks this but he is pretty sure that she is a psychopath a budding psychopath and we're not you know we're not talking like yeah like soap opera you know lifetime movie kind of thing he's like she could probably be diagnosed as a clinical psychopath she's she's very smart she's talented she's pretty she's very manipulative she has um a very dark streak um where she will make trouble. She has been known to hurt animals, hurt people, but she's very good at hiding what she, you know, hiding what she does so that she never gets blamed for it. His parents, when he goes to them and says, hey, like, she's doing these things that are really freaking me out. And they're like, no, 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 she's acting out. She's 10 years old. You know, we just moved. We moved continents. You know, she's, You know, she's just, you know, acting out that's what she does. But he's like, no, I'm pretty sure, like, she's kind of terrifying. And so he's, so basically he's, he's in this brand new place. He's trying to get to know people. He's trying to make a place for himself and, you know, kind of set out on his own. But he also feels this obligation to her because, A, because she is his sister and B, because he's a little afraid of what she might do to someone if he's not there to rein her in. and. What I really loved about this book is that it doesn't, it doesn't fall into melodrama. This isn't, this doesn't, I was afraid this would feel a little bit like a Law & Order SVU episode. And it really doesn't. I mean, Rosa is terrifying. She is an absolutely terrifying character. And for me, this type of d- dysfunctional family or this type of domestic psychological thriller, really, this is one of those things that it just hits all of my all of my scary buttons. like this the, This is the type of book that that just sends chills up and down my spine. Um, I tore through this book, and it it just it was it was a page-turning, scary read. You know, if you, I know um, in the email, we didn't have the list of books um, that the book club had already covered, but we, um, one of the, one of the books on the list was Sharp Objects. This feels like Sharp Objects, kind of. I mean, not, not a perfect match, but this it kind of, it's kind of along those lines. If you liked that type of family dynamic or if you, if, if reading that, that book did not freak you out utterly, you can read this one. But, um, but it is, it is extremely intense. And it's very realistic. Like, like I said, it doesn't it's it basically, you know, like, it looks at the at the issue of like, hey, what if this family member of yours is actually this truly terrifying person, but no one no one's listening to you, and no one will believe you. Um, so yeah, I, I really love this one. This is, this is a great psychological thriller. Um, like I said, it doesn't matter if you don't usually read young adult books. Um, this, this is one that I would happily suggest to either teens or adults to read. It re- it's really that good. But again, the title is My Sister Rosa, and the author is Justine Larbalestier.
0: So those are all of the suggestions that we had. And like Katie said, at the top of the show, uh, definitely feel free to send us emails if you guys have uh, questions or suggestions for episode topics, because this is a lot of fun to do. And we love, you know, being able to recommend books to other people so clearly, because, you know, that's literally what both of us do. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, feel free to email us. I'll give our email address again at the end of the show, or you can tweet at us and things like that. But email is definitely the safest way to make sure that we see it, because otherwise it might get lost in the Internet shuffle.
1: (laughs) All right. So uh, I'm going to jump in with our second sponsor, um, which is Flatiron Books, uh, publishers of Save Me from Dangerous Men by S.A. Lelchuk. Nikki Griffin isn't your typical private investigator. In her office above her bookstore shelves and stacks, she also tracks certain men. Dangerous men. She seeks justice for those who need her help. When a regular PI job tailing Karen, a tech company's disgruntled employee who might be selling secrets, turns ugly and Karen's life is threatened, Nikki has to break cover and intervene. Karen tells Nikki that there are people after her, dangerous men. She says she'll tell Nikki what's really going on, but then something goes wrong and suddenly Nikki is no longer just solving a case. She's trying hard to stay alive. Nikki Griffin is the type of character that um, they describe her as part Elizabeth Salander, part Jack Reacher, and part Jessica Jones. Uh, She is a kick-ass character who readers will root for as she seeks to right the world's wrongs. S.A. Lelchuk's Save Me From Dangerous Men marks the beginning of a gripping new series and the launch of a fabulous new character. Um, So if this book sounds like it is up your alley, definitely check out um, the book, which again is Save Me From Dangerous Men by S.A. Lelchuk and published by Flatiron Books. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right.
0: So I have the new releases for this episode. Uh, first up is one of Katie's most anticipated books of the year. And that is The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara Robertson. If you listen to our most anticipated episode, you've already heard her talk about this one a little bit. Uh, and it is finally out. The trial of Lizzie Borden tells the true story of one of the most sensational murder trials in American history. When Andrew and Abby Borden were brutally hacked to death in Fall River, Massachusetts in August 1892, the arrest of the couple's younger daughter, Lizzie, turned the case into international news and her trial into a spectacle unparalleled in American history. Reporters flocked to the scene, well-known columnists took up seats in the courtroom, and the defendant was relentlessly scrutinized for signs of Guilt or innocence, and everyone had an opinion about her, about it as well. Um, was she a cold blooded murderess or an unjustly persecuted lady? And did she or didn't she? So, there has been extreme amounts of fascination with the Borden murders and its enigmatic character. Her story's been told in rhyme, retold in lots of different genres. Um, and so, in this new book, Kara Robertson is exploring the stories of Lizzie Borden's culture uh, that was expected to be heard and how those stories influenced the debate inside and outside of the courtroom. Um, She bases on transcripts from the legal proceedings, contemporary news accounts, unpublished local accounts, and recently unearthed letters from Lizzie Borden herself. Um, So the trial of Lizzie Borden offers a window into American into America and during the Gilded Age, showcasing its most deeply held convictions and its most troubling social anxieties. And again, that is The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara Robertson. That one is already out. Another one that is already out is A Dangerous Collaboration by Deanna Rayburn. This is another book in the Veronica Speedwell mystery, which is a historical mystery series that I know a lot of people are really big fans of. Lured by the promise of a rare and elusive butterfly, the intrepid Veronica Speedwell is persuaded by Lord Templeton Vane, the brother of her colleague Doker, to pose as his fiancé at a house party on a Cornish Isle owned by his oldest friend, Malcolm Romilly. But Veronica soon learns that one question hangs over the party. What happened to Rosamund? Three years ago, Malcolm Romley's bride vanished on their wedding day and no trace of her has ever been found. Now those who are closest to her have gathered each a possible suspect in her disappearance. From the poison garden kept by Malcolm's sister to the high towers of the family castle, the island's atmosphere is full of shadows and danger lurks around every corner. Determined to discover Rosamund's fate, Veronica and Stoker match wits with a murderer who has already struck once and will not hesitate to kill again. Um, and again, that is a dangerous collaboration by Deanna Rayborn. And then I have House on Fire, which by Bonnie Kissler, which is already out as well. Um, this one is being pitched as for fans of Jodie Pico and Celeste Ng. Divorce lawyer Lei Huyette uh, knows all too well that. That most second marriages are doomed to fail. But five years in, she and Pete Conley have a perfectly blended family of her children and his. To celebrate their anniversary, they grab some precious moments alone and leave Pete's son Kip, a high school senior, in charge of Lay's 14-year-old daughter Chrissy at their home. Driving back on a rainy Friday night, their cell phones start ringing. After a raucous party celebrating his college acceptance to Duke and his upcoming birthday, Kip was arrested for drunk driving after his truck crashed into a tree. And he wasn't alone. Chrissy was with him. Twelve hours later, Chrissy is dead and Kip is charged with manslaughter. Kip has always been a notorious troublemaker, but he's also a star student with a dazzling future ahead of him. At first, Leigh does her best to rally behind Pete and help Kip through his ordeal until he changes his story and claims that he wasn't driving at all. Chrissy was and he swears there's a witness. Lay stunned to find out that he would lie about this uh, while Pete clutches onto the story as the last and best hope to save his son, throwing his energy and money into finding this elusive witness. As a hurdle towards Kip's trial date, husband and wife are torn between loyalty to their children and to each other while the mystery of what really happened that night intensifies. So this sounds like a super interesting domestic mystery. Uh, So if that is your jam, then you can check out House on Fire by bonnie kissler
1: you know what that book sounds like a read-alike for defending jacob
0: oh yeah i forgot about that book
1: i loved that book um i can't remember the author's first name i think the the last name is landay or something like that um that book william william landay you're right um that book was so good Hey, bonus uh, bonus recommendation. I don't know if I'd call it creepy, but if you're doing a mystery suspense thriller book club, that book is going to have, you are going to be talking, that one's going to stir up a lot of discussion. So uh, Defending Jacob by William Landay. Anyway, <laughs> for me, <laughs> I, I haven't read a ton, or I haven't really read anything directly mystery suspense related. I did, however, finish listening um, to a book that I would say is True Crime Adjacent, or at least there's enough crossover that it would be that if you're interested in true crime and you haven't read this one, you would probably be interested in it, um, which is Beyond Belief, My Secret Life Inside Scientology and My Harrowing Escape by Jenna Miscavige Hill, which I, I picked it, I think, it, you know, it was on Hoopla and I had, I'm like, well, I want an audiobook. Yeah, you know, this this sounds interesting. And it is super interesting. Um, She talks about, you know, she, um, Jenna Miscavige Hill. Um, she is the niece of, I don't know if he is still the head of Scientology or what the situation is, but her uncle, um, David Miscavige took over, he was the head of Scientology after L. Ron Hubbard died. So he was literally like the head honcho. Um, and she talks about her experiences growing up in Scientology and then um, as, you know, as a young child, as a teenager, she was a member of the Sea Org, which is Scientology's space navy, where you have to sign a billion-year contract. Like, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. They literally have, like, as a seven-year-old child, she signed her name to a billion-year contract of service in the Sea Org. And it talks about her experiences going through Scientology, going through all of this training, um, what, you know, all of this stuff that was happening to her family. She was essentially separated from her family when she was a child. Like, she only saw her parents, like, intermittently over, you know, as she was growing up. Um, By intermittently, like, you know, there would be spans of a few years where she would literally have no contact with her parents. Um, And you hear about, it's, it's, from from an insider's perspective of what they were taught how these how these things how these rules were upheld the amount of control that the that the church um tried to exert on the both the people inside the church and what people outside of the church were saying about Scientology it's really chilling um and then ultimately you know based on the title you you know that she ultimately uh she and her husband leave the church. Um, And not only do they leave the church, but they become very outspoken about the things that go on that go on that are that are really tamped down. Um, It was super interesting. Um, If you are interested in those types of things, or if you basically if, if if stories about cults interest you, because quite frankly, that's what this is. It, it was really it, w- it was really eye-opening. In fact, that I um once I finished this one, I immediately downloaded the audiobook for another book on Scientology. This one's from an outsider's perspective. Um, but I was like, I this is just so fascinating. Um and, and extremely disturbing. Um, but again, the book is Beyond Belief, My Secret Life Inside Scientology and My Harrowing Escape by Jenna Miscavige Hill. And then I have no idea what I'm going to be starting next. I have some, uh, I'm going to be, uh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be guest hosting on uh, the All the Books podcast in a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. So I got to finish some books for those, or uh, for that episode. So I'm not sure what I'm going to be reading next. Well,
0: hopefully, maybe there'll be a mystery that's coming out that day. So
1: Well, there is, but Liberty took it already.
0: Oh. <laughs> Oh, Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I read The Plotters by Unsoon Kim. I felt like I was talking about this book for so long uh, because it was one of my most anticipated and then I kept like meaning to read it and then I never made time to read it. until so I finally read it and I'm very excited. So this is a newly translated book. Uh, Unsu Kim is a Korean writer and so this has just been translated into English. And this is like a really fun, interesting book. The tone of this book really took me by surprise cuz I didn't really do that much research into it. And it also got like a Hong Kong comp, which is not accurate at all. So don't <laughs> don't go into it thinking it's sad. I think it literally just got that cuz they're both Korean. So, you know, publishing. <laughs> um <laughs> I feel like this book feels a lot like a Tarantino film in book form. I also saw it pitched as like if Wes Anderson wrote a heist novel, which it has does have a little bit of that like dark humor sort of side to it. Um, So you are following this character named Reesing, who uh was a, orphaned as a kid and or abandoned as a kid and was raised by this uh, assassin killer named Old Raccoon, who basically is the head of this organization called the Plotters. Basically, the way it works is like there's the Plotters who put together these assassination attempts and then there are the assassins themselves who go out and do the killing. And so Reising has basically been raised in this organization and is a killer himself. But then at the beginning of the story, he sort of decides to not follow the plot exactly as it's supposed to go for one of his uh, jobs and then from that point forward he really starts to question a lot of things about the organization um and you just sort of like watch the plot happen sort of from there there are a lot of really like fun interesting eccentric characters that are a part of this book uh which is why i think he gets the wes anderson comp uh it's it's really a lot of fun it gets off to kind of a slow start and you you spend a lot of like the first third just being like, where is the story going? Because you get a lot of backstory on not just Resing and the organization, but also a lot of the other characters. And so you're just sort of following along being like, what is what is the point of all this? But I really, really enjoyed the way that everything wrapped up the action scenes in here are like really action packed. Um, again, it feels like you're in a Tarantino film during the major action sequences. So if that's something that is your jam and you enjoy uh, books in translation, then I definitely recommend The Plotters by Unsoo Kim. And uh, like Katie, I also have no idea what I'm going to be reading next. Um, I have like a million library books out, so I probably should read one of those so I can return some of them. (laughs) So that is our show. Thanks again so much for uh, listening. For show notes, you can head to bookriot.com slash listen. There you will find links to the news stories we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we have talked about. If you've enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us. Um, if you want to send us an email, you can email us at dead at bookriot.com. Uh, again, feel free to send us comments or questions or episodes to suggestions, anything along those lines. We love, like Katie said, seeing your guys' feedback and getting ideas from you guys about things that we can talk about. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A.
1: And I am on Twitter at KT underscore Library Lady.
0: And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.